The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. With stricken bank Credit Suisse now taken over by its rival UBS, has the potential for some form of new global banking crisis been extinguished or perhaps simply delayed? And with the European Central Bank saying it remains ready to support Eurozone banks with loans if needed, can we rest a little easier here? Now, to get some insight into this, I'm joined now by finance lecturer and economics columnist with the Sunday Times, Cormac Lucy. Cormac, good morning. Um, Cormac, the uh, question of how sick Credit Suisse was anyway, even before this latest crisis, is uh, probably something we should try to understand. Well, you can try to understand it uh, at one level, but bank runs have a completely separate dynamic of their own. So you can have a bank run uh, take place against a healthy bank. Uh, If I have got €20,000 on deposit with a bank, and I'm getting a pittance in interest income, the cost to me of taking my 20,000 out of that bank and putting it into another bank, even though I might only have a 10% fear that my first bank is going to fail, that's still a logical decision for me to take under those circumstances. So once fears take hold about a bank's future credibility and liquidity and solvency, even if those fears are unfounded, it can adopt a a self-feeding dynamic that then becomes very, very difficult to stop. And over the weekend, we've seen the Swiss Central Bank, the European Central Bank, and the American Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, they're all coming together in effect to try to put together sufficient force to stop a bank Mm. run at Credit Suisse today. Now, uh, Credit Suisse is is subsumed into UBS. Um, Presumably, that bank is healthy. So it means that if I had money still deposited with Credit Suisse, that's now deposited with UBS. Yeah, but the the, the risk in the system can be moved around. It can't be completely eliminated. Uh, you know, we would have thought that when the Irish government guaranteed the Irish banks 15 years ago, that that meant end of the problem. But all that happened was that the risk shifted from the balance sheets of commercial banks in Ireland onto the notional balance sheet of the state. And when those risks proved insurmountably large, they began to have a negative effect uh, on the finances of the state. So the the critical thing here is not so much that UBS is putting its arm around Credit Suisse. It's more that the central banks are implicitly stating that we will put infinite amounts of cash behind Credit Suisse, so that if you're a deposit holder at Credit Suisse, sure, you can come along and take your cash out, uh, but there'll be an infinity of cash behind that. So there's no need to bother going to Credit Suisse because your money is safe there. I think that's the critical thing that the authorities uh, are, are doing today. Now, it seems odd that effectively that is almost like quantitative easing, you know, that you're, uh, you know, where they bought bonds at infinitum uh, to help the the, the system recover from the banking crisis. And here you have a a situation where on the one hand, the European Central Bank and Christine Lagarde uh, decides to go ahead with uh, interest hikes to combat inflation. And yet you have a banking system in crisis. It just seems like two contrary kind of activities. Well, central bankers really have two fundamental responsibilities, whatever about all of the more modern stuff about trying to 
uh, encourage adjustment to climate change and getting banks to encourage that, that's really secondary or tertiary. The critical two jobs they have are number one, to contain inflation, and number two, to ensure financial stability. Uh, and sometimes, as you've pointed out, those two aims can get in each other's way. So if they're going to rescue Credit Suisse today, they're going to have to loosen policy to do that. Uh, and that may contradict their inflation fighting uh, efforts. But th th there's a wider issue here, Pat. Uh, and even though I would believe that the Irish banks are ha have a, an insignificantly small risk of anything like this happening, tiny to the point of zero. Uh, the backdrop of all of this is that central banks have been raising interest rates very aggressively for the last 12 months. And when central banks do that, financial accidents happen. Uh, you know, we had financial accidents with the UK government bond, the gilt market, uh, when we had the ill-fated Liz Truss quasi-quartang budget. We've got uh, Bitcoin having big difficulties with, that, with FTX. Now we've got... The, the Silicon Valley Bank, and we've got Credit Suisse. So as central banks put a financial tourniquet around the economy, that is putting pressure on more and more institutions. So while central banks have moved very speedily to close down this particular risk, what they're doing in raising interest rates is adding to the risk of further such crises down the road. Now, you might explain to us why the raising of interest rates uh, creates a problem, because you'd imagine that banks then get a better margin on their, you know, they take deposits in, they lend them out. Um, you know, it should be good for them, you'd imagine. It, it's been very good for Irish banks. Uh, but if, if you, you know, if, you, if we take Silicon Valley Bank, they were getting loads of monies deposited with them from venture capital funds that it had, uh, sorry, uh, companies that it had venture capital invested in them. So you might have a company like Stripe. Now, Stripe wasn't involved in this, but if you had a company starting up like Stripe, they might receive a billion dollars of equity investment and they'd have to put that in a bank somewhere and they put it into Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, and rather than put that money on deposit with the, the central bank in America, rather than put it into short-dated government debt, what Silicon Valley Bank did was they put the money into long-dated, you know, five-year, 10-year government securities. And when interest rates went up, the value of those securities fell. And Silicon Valley Bank was being allowed to, to uh, not book the losses. And then suddenly people started looking at the unbooked losses and said, well, if these losses all come through in the one day, Silicon Valley would be bust. So you, you also have commercial companies that are investing long. You, you've got, say, Dennis O'Brien's company, uh, ESAT Digifone, uh, or Digicel rather. You know, one of the factors that has put them uh, into difficulty with their lenders was that they were so heavily borrowed and in an era of rising interest rates, that was becoming an increasing problem. So if you've got an awful lot of money borrowed, You've been getting away with it while interest rates have been yeah. ultra low. But now with interest rates rising, you're coming under pressure. And if you owe money to banks like Credit Suisse, your problem becomes their problem. So that is the problem. If you owe money and the inter interest rates goes go, go up, you've got that problem where you're exposed. You simply cannot service those debts. 
Correct. And people are then speculating. They're looking at banks. It's a bit like in Ireland in 2008. People were looking at banks. They were hearing all of these official noises of reassurance, but people were digging behind the figures uh, and speculating on where losses were going to surface. Uh, and this then, you know, if, 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 if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an accountant, chartered accountant, if I feel that there is the slightest risk that I am not going to be repaid my money from, from my bank deposit, uh, I'm going to take the money out. Uh, because th- the payoff for me staying is tiny. The payoff for me remaining if things go bad or the cost would be huge. So this is a sort of a delicate atmosphere that, that we're operating in. Uh, and this is why, I guess, the central banks have moved with shock and awe over the weekend uh, and, and today to try to shut down this from uh, afflicting Switzerland today. So if there is an infinity of cash being ponied up uh, potentially by all these central banks, uh, why should there be any further contagion? Because the infinity of cash is being deployed to assist the Swiss banking system. Uh, If problems emerge in banks elsewhere, then we're going to be you know, we're going to have Groundhog, Groundhog Day will need to be rolled out for them too. You know, as long as central banks are tightening monetary conditions and financial conditions, they're going to cause an increased number of financial accidents. Uh, right now, we don't know where. You know, it was Warren Buffett who said, it's only when the tide goes out that we get to see who's been swimming naked. And we've seen quite a few big institutions swimming naked in the last five months. If the tide keeps being pushed out by central banks, the risk is we're going to see more institutions being caught yeah. swimming naked. Uh, well, the problem, I suppose, with this, trying to get a handle around it, is that the old junk bond days are over. The derivatives, these complex derivatives that no one really knew what they contained and how valuable or worthless they were. Um, that era is over. And what we have here is, it seems to me, a crisis in you know, conventional banking. In part, it's a crisis of conventional banking. Uh, In part, it is, risk never goes away. You can move risk, you can insure risk. If I insure risk, I'm just pushing the risk onto the insurance company and I'm paying them a fee to do that. So banking risk never goes away. It just changes its location. And as financial conditions are tightened, banking risk is, is, is going to increase financial conditions and the risk of companies uh, getting into difficulty and individuals is going to increase. And that increases the risk of further banking problems until such time as central banks declare victory in their war on inflation. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the texters said, what is a financial accident? Banks are just back to taking risks. But in fairness to Silicon Valley Bank, um, which, uh, you know, did its business perhaps unwisely. But, you know, buying any kind of government paper is always seen as, you know, very, very, very reliable, even boring. Um, They just weren't quick enough on their feet or something like that. Maybe they made mistakes. And I know there may be litigation, there may be criminal charges if some of them cashed in their shares before the bank went wallop. Um, But, you know, they weren't doing anything utterly outrageous like Anglo-Irish Bank, you know, giving people, uh, developers and so on, cash to bid against each other, that sort of thing. You could argue that, but the counter argument would be that their 
financial position was hopelessly exposed once interest rates started rising in a significant way. Uh, the value of the bonds that they had invested in was going to uh, was going to fall. The value of the venture capital backed companies that they were getting money from, they were going to fall as well under the same conditions. And they were going to be in greater need of their cash. So they were going to face a double whammy. Uh, depositors taking cash out and the value of the money that they had invested it into falling. And they were using something called, uh, they, they were using a form of accounting that allowed them to defer the losses on the falling value of their bonds because they planned to hold them to maturity. Yeah. Uh, but the, the unbooked losses that were in their financial statements to read were absolutely enormous relative to their equity capital. And that's why they were hit. All right. uh, but they may not be the only institution to be so vulnerable. Anyway, they should have been quicker on their feet uh, when they saw that we were into a, a period of ongoing in, uh, interest rate rises to combat inflation. At that early stage, they should have uh, acted and they did not. Up to a point. But the thing is, we've been living in a bit of an artificial world over the last 10 or 15 years where the, the interest rate on government uh, bonds and government securities has been close to zero. And in, in, in the world of finance where I teach, Government bonds are, are, are classified as a zero risk. Uh, the risk-free return is what the return in government bonds is. But with bond returns at zero or close to zero, uh, one financial analyst said government bonds didn't offer uh, risk-free return. They offered return-free risk. And by putting money so heavily into government bonds, when government bonds were already so highly valued, uh, Silicon Valley was exposing itself to return free risk. Anyway, in conclusion, for our listeners, um, no danger to the Irish banks. No, I mean, you know, if a forest fire is least likely to occur where there has recently been a forest fire. And we have been, uh, we were hit really, really, really badly 15 years ago. In the intervening 15 years, Lending standards are much tighter. There are much fewer loans being given out. The number of old loans being repaid has generally exceeded the number of new loans being given out. So Irish banks are smaller, they're tighter managed, and they're better regulated than they were 15 years ago. And therefore, I think the risk of something like this happening here is, is extraordinarily small to the point of zero. Cormac Lucy, uh, finance lecturer and economics cons columnist with the Sunday Times. Uh, thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.